0: God, your amazing love is such that we are able to worship you and we are able to have a relationship with you even when we are sinful people. That God, your great love for us is so significant, so amazing that while we were still sinners, while we struggled with selfishness, imperfection, brokenness and even a willingness to hurt other people that God, you loved us so much that you are willing to have redemption available for us through your son, Jesus. Father, that you love us so much that even in the midst of turmoil and mistakes in our lives, that that is the time when you desperately call out to us, that you love us, that you desire relationship with us, that you want us to be part and parcel of your life and your kingdom and what you are doing here in this world. Father, it's not sufficient for us to love you just... Once a week, it's not sufficient for us to love you on Easter and Christmas. It's not sufficient for us to love you when it's convenient. But your great love demands that we love you as you love us. That we strive to love you and be obedient to you every single day, every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, you're not really interested in seconds and leftovers and just a little tiny bit of us. You want to know all of us and you want us to have that good relationship with you. Father, one of the ways that we can do that, an easy way to get started in that process, is to be willing to admit that we are sinful, broken people, that we are selfish, that we look into our own hearts for our own desires first rather than looking to you. God, that you say that whatever we've done, whatever mistakes we've made, whatever issues we have, whatever selfishness we have, whatever hurt we've hurt other people, that if we go to you and we confess those things, that you will be faithful and you will forgive us all of our mistakes and so father we're just going to take a moment right now each of us individually to go to you and to ask for forgiveness to ask forgiveness for anything that's there father whatever it may be lord whatever it may be in anyone's life here just go to god and just ask forgiveness let's do that now each of us individually And Father, forgive us of those things. We know that when we confess that you have wiped it out of our lives completely. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are willing to forgive us. We thank you that you have a better plan for our lives than we do ourselves. We thank you that you are not a fair weather friend. We thank you, thankful that you desire to bless us. We thank you that you don't want us to experience the curse. We're thankful that you want us to be able to know you and for your great love to challenge us to draw closer to you every single day. Father, that when we are faithless, you are faithful. And so, Father, we just ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would be here, would challenge us in our hearts, pushing us towards you, encouraging us to do what is right and what is good and what is just, encouraging us to choose blessing over curse. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to be finishing, I keep saying finishing, we're not going to finish it, we're finishing the blessing half, but we are going to be working towards this idea of blessing and cursing, and today we're going to be the second week in our four part series on blessing and cursing, and uh, this will be the end of the blessing cycle, next week we'll be talking about cursing, and that'll be a lot of fun, Uh, not really, but it'll be interesting, that I promise you. And uh, so we're going to talk today about blessing. Unfortunately, the idea of blessing is really big. It's an interest of mine because it's used so incorrectly in our society and in our churches. But we're going to just cover a couple of things. We don't have time to cover all of them in depth. We'll be doing more in our life groups this week. So bless me, curse me. That is our series um, that we have been working through here um, uh, last week and this week. Bless me, curse me. Our four-week series on blessing and cursing and how blessing and cursing is needs to be a part of our lives. It is a part of our lives. But a lot of the blessing and a lot of cursing depends on us as believers or as wannabe believers or as seekers or as lukewarm Christians or whatever category, group, subdivision that you may fit into. Obviously, I don't want any of you to fit most of those subdivisions. I want you to be in the sold-out-for-God subdivision. But anyway, our four-week series on blessing and cursing. Well, here's our strategy Our strategy is this, is that last week we talked about what is a blessing, alright? And the preface of this series is that we as people, especially we as people who kind of sometimes maybe come to church, is that we see this word blessing all the time. We hear people talk about blessing. A lot of times we sign our email, blessings, you know, blessings, Pastor Douglas or something like that. If you notice in the last couple of years in Hollywood, a lot of stars talk about being blessed, you know, that I landed this beautiful role in this upcoming film by whoever, you know, and uh, I was blessed to get the role. Really, if I were to tomorrow, next week, next Sunday, because none of you will be here tomorrow, but next Sunday, you could all be here tomorrow, but you won't. But next Sunday, if I come into the parking lot, I come rolling in, in a Bugatti Varen, right? That $1 million production car that Simon Cowell and American Idol has. If I come rolling in the parking lot in that, many of you will be tempted to say, wow, Pastor Douglas, God really blessed you, didn't he? Or you were really blessed to have that car. It's a great blessing to be able to go to 0.60 in 1.2 seconds, right? I mean, that's a blessing, right? And, and so we use this idea of blessing cavalierly, We use it inaccurately. We use it because it seems like a nice, pretty word to use. But the Bible actually tells us that blessing is something significant and something important that we should have. And also, as we talked about last week, that blessing is not automatic just because we go to church on occasion. Blessing is not automatic just because we say that we're a Christian or we mark it on the checkbox of our census form that we are a Christian. What is a blessing? Well, a blessing, as we talked about last week, There's, you know, it has a sort of a wide area, but we can sort of nail it down to saying that a blessing is a special provision of God, that God specially provides for us in certain situations, certain times, and he blesses us because of that special provision in our lives. One of the problems, though, that we talked about last week is what the struggle with and I just alluded to it, the struggle with materialism, right? Because we as Americans tend to look at blessing materialistically. Now, guess what? We're not, as we talked about last week, we're not any different than people since the beginning of time. Job, right, when he lost everything because Satan was challenging and tempting him, he lost all his money, lost all his resources, lost his health, lost his wealth, right? And people said, what? His detractors said, you're not blessed, you're cursed by God, so you might as well just curse God and die because you're cursed. But blessing and cursing largely do not have anything to do with material possessions, I know that's hard because we live in a society where it seems like Bill Gates is blessed and poor people on the street that have nothing are not blessed. But I'm going to tell you that material possessions have little to do with God's blessing in your life. Can God bless materially? Yes, it is possible. Does God usually do and work that way? I would argue the answer to that is no. Otherwise, we set up a false truth, which is Bill Gates has more faith than any of you in here. And I'm sure you that he does not. Although I don't know him personally, so I can't say definitively. But I can say that there are some well-known people who hate God and who are very, very wealthy. And it has nothing to do with whether or not God blesses them or whether they are blessed. It just is the material consequence of our sinful, unfair, massively broken, messed up world that we live in. That is what it is. So what is a blessing? It is a special act of provision of God in our lives. We talked from uh, Deuteronomy 22 last week about how we can choose blessing. We can choose to be blessed. We can choose to be cursed. Most Christians think that blessing is automatic. Um, they just show up and God will automatically do it. They just kind of come to church on occasion. God's going to automatically do it. They want to the get blessed quick scheme. They want get to the, get right with God quick scheme. They want everything quick, but quickness doesn't really doesn't really work with God. How do we bless? Well, we're going to talk about this issue this week. One reason why I want to do that, I, I want to write a book on this eventually because I think that we, again, we misunderstand what blessing is. And even though we can't cover all the issues of blessing in, in this last week and this week, I really want to talk about this issue of how do we bless other people? Because we're going to, we're going to read a great passage in the Bible, famous passage, if you've never been in church before, you've probably heard it. Um, we're going to talk about a famous passage in the Bible that talks about God's calling on the nation of israel to bless its people and to bless the people in it and if you've and if you've been in church a couple of times you've probably heard somebody in church say this passage before um but how do we the question we're going to ask this more is how do we bless other people now let me just give you a caveat because we only have like 35 minutes here so i give you every explanation and i can't i'm just going to introduce the subject we're going to develop it more more fully in our life groups so you may say to me, well, pastor, if can I give food to someone? Isn't that blessing them? Of someone who's homeless and poor, can I give them food? Isn't that blessing them? Yes, but we're not going to talk about that here. We're going to talk about that in life group. All right. And by the way, I'm going to argue that's not the best blessing you can give them. We'll see why. How do we bless? How are we involved in blessing other people? Two ideas very quickly here this morning. But first, we're going to see what the Bible says. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 6. Verse 22 through 27. So if you want to go and open up your Bibles there to Numbers chapter 6. It's going to be up on the Jumbotron. If this is your first time at BBC, no big deal. It'll be up there as well. But you'll want to open up so we can look at a couple key things here. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. Numbers chapter 6, 22 through 27. Okay. All right. Numbers 6. Here we go. This is what the Bible says. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Numbers, very beginning, first couple books of the Bible, chapter 6. Here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord said to Moses, okay, this is, this is recording an interaction between God and Moses, right? You know, the whole let my people go Pharaoh guy, right? And uh, so he's talking to Moses and he's explaining to Moses how to teach the people, specifically Aaron and the priests, to bless the people of God. So he, tell, then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. And here's what it is. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Now, you may have heard it in the old-fashioned way, right? And which is what? May the Lord... uh, Let me see if I can get it right. May the Lord... I did it first service without it up there. May the Lord bless you and keep you, right? May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. Okay, something along those lines. So you probably heard it more that way. Some of you have heard it that way. Um, And uh, that's fine. But whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. All right. So let's break this down and see what this blessing is and what it has to do with us. Two ideas again, real quickly here this morning is this. We should bless other people, that God calls us to bless other people, that we are capable of blessing other people. And it's something that we should actually do. It's something that we should do because we want to be a part of what God is doing in our world. Now. Now. Many of us will say, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense, I guess, that we should bless other people. And why? Because we know that loving God and then loving other people is the greatest, you know, Jesus said we could summarize all of God's instructions to us in that way. Loving people, I'm sorry, loving God first and loving people. You cannot love people if you do not love God. And in the same way, we could also say that by parallel, that if God blesses us, then we are called to bless other people as well. We can bless other people. We should bless other people. Our love for other people will be extended by our blessing to them and our desire to bless them. God blesses us so that we can bless others. I mean, when we think about it, blessing is a special provision from God. And so when God provides in our lives, if we love other people, it will be natural and it will be normal for us to want to provide for others, just as God is providing for us. When we talk about this issue of provision, we talked about this last week. Let me just set this up again. Because when we talk about provision, there's two different kinds of provision. And two different ways that we can bless other people as well. Remember the story I gave you last week of a guy I knew in high school, right? There's two kinds of people in high school. There's the kind when you turn 16 that you want a car really bad, and your mom and daddy says, okay, go get a job, and you can earn the money to get a car. And then there's the other kids who, the par- you know, when they turn 16, the parents say, okay, what kind of car do you want? Let's go down to the dealer and we'll buy you a brand new car. And I knew this one kid who got a brand new Mustang and then, I don't know, a couple months later drove it off a cliff and the next week his parents bought him a brand new Mustang. You know? Well, let's not judge. Okay. The point is, though, I tend to agree with Roland, but the point is, though, is that both of those examples are provision. If your parents, or if you're the one who's, your parents bought you a brand new car and keep, kept buying you a brand new car, how many times you drove it off a the cliff, they're providing for you. Maybe wrongly, maybe not wisely, but they're providing for you. In the same way, the parent who encourages the child to go out and work at a job, drops them off at the job, picks them up at the job, helps them to get a bank account, helps them to get a loan so they can get the car, helps them to balance their checkbook. They, too, are providing for the child. But it's a different kind of provision, right? Different kind of provision. As we talked about last week, the two different provisions that we see are the same provisions that occur in our world. God works sort of more the what way? I'm going to provide for you. Go get a job that way. But we want God to work how? Give it to me all now immediately, Right? I mean, I asked this last week and a lot of you were not very honest with me. I'm just going to tell you right now. You, you were not very disappointed in first service owned up to it. If you could have a job where you showed up at work and the boss said, you know what? We don't really need you. We'll just pay you to stay home. Right. You're telling me you wouldn't like that. Come on. We all would. If we could just have a job where there was no hardship, no work, no nothing, just showed up and automatically got paid and we're allowed to go home, we'd all do it. I know some of you are going to argue, I like to work and working is good, but you know what, it would be too tempting not to do it. If we could all be the perfect size, perfect weight, perfect body, perfect teeth, perfect everything, we would do that too, especially if it's something that we can do instantly. Have you guys been to Valley Fair and they have that laser thing and you sit down for like two seconds in the chair and they zap your teeth and it makes it perfect? right? It's not fast enough. I mean, us Americans, if it doesn't happen immediately with a pill, it's not good enough. And so the problem is our American view of wanting things right now conflicts with God's plan to provide for our lives. Does God want to bless us if we're believers? Yes. Does God want us to be blessed? Yes. Does God's sense of blessing and provision work the way that we in the West want it to work? No. It doesn't. Because God has been around a lot longer and he decides what the rules of life are. And he's decided that what? That if we want to be blessed by him, it doesn't automatically happen. But in fact, our ability to bless and our, 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 our blessingness ourselves, our being blessed is based on our obedience. Now, I know I, I mentioned this last week, but this is really, really important. Because last week we talked in Numbers, no, Deuteronomy 22, and the Bible says what there? Moses says, listen, that if you want to be blessed by god it's predicated right that blessing from god comes if you are obedient to god and if you are not obedient to god then the bible says that you will be cursed right so you have a choice as a christian you have a choice to be blessed or not that's absolutely true it's absolutely true but it doesn't happen by <laughs> it doesn't happen by just doing the religious game by being a nice person, by coming into church and throwing in your dollar, you know. And I, again, I know there's an expression in Tagalog, which is you come into church, you put your dollar in offering, you walk right out and you're good, right? And we all have similar expressions in our language and culture because we think that somehow that's going to bless us. But the Bible is clear that blessing of God is predicated on our relationship with God and is predicated on us being obedient to God. That's correct. The more obedient you are to God, the more blessed you're going to be. And by the way, it's not necessarily going to be blessing materially. We talked about this last week, right? There's issues with being rich. If we say that blessing is material, then all we're saying is that Bill Gates is blessed, and if you're poor here today, you're not blessed. But that is a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Your faith has nothing to do with your financial status. Listen... I know that some of you are not going to believe me because you've heard it on TV and you've seen the big rich cats on TV talking about, you know, if you just give a lot of money to them, God's going to give a lot of money back to you. Prosperity gospel, it's a heresy. But it's not true. Because if you give a lot of money to them, all you're going to do is be more poor. And talk to people, by the way, who have been burned by those kind of people. Because it is not about it. God desires our obedience. And His provision in our lives comes when we are obedient to Him. It comes because we are choosing to follow Him. And being obedient to God is not a, you know, sort of a show up and get paid kind of thing. You know, wouldn't it be great if marriage was all about showing up and getting the good stuff and then not having to deal with the bad stuff, you know what I mean? The conjugal visit, you know, on a regular basis and then I don't have to live with the person. You know, they'll clean up the house and they'll fix the lawn and, and mow the lawn and fix the gutters. But I don't want to hear them snore so we just have separate homes, right? That's the way we treat God. Because we say, oh God, you know, I want your blessing, but I don't want your obedience. You know what? It's bad news and good news. Because the bad news is it sincerely inhibits God blessing us. But the good news is, is that it's a human nature condition. And what that means is, is that we do it with our jobs, we do it with our family, we do it with our kids, we do it with everybody because we're more interested in what we want, what we need, what we can get, rather than see, be, just being obedient to God and allowing Him to provide in our situation. But it's solvable and fixable because it simply requires us to listen to God and be obedient to Him. That's it. There's no magic. Oh, we're going to talk about magic in a minute. Roland, you're going to love it. Magic, right? We're going to talk about magic in a minute. There's no magic there. It is simply us being obedient to a God who loves us, who cares for us, and who wants relationship with us. So our ability to bless is based on our obedience. You cannot bless someone else if you are not willing to be obedient to God. Hey, you know what's true? Let's talk about blessing, and we'll just use material as an example but you know what's true have you guys ever seen statistics about giving charitable giving in the US let me tell you some definable definite demonstrable facts about charitable giving in the US do you know that every year that the most affluent areas of the country in the US give by far the least very good Guys are way smarter in first service. The least in charitable giving. Do you know also that the least Christian areas of this country, by church attendance and by activity in church and church size and everything else, that the least Christian areas of our country give the least charitable giving. Least charitable giving. Absolutely. They give the least. Why? Because without God in the man's or woman's heart, there is no desire to bless other people. Because it's all about what I need to get for me because this is the only life I have. And it's a direct correlation. Because you know why? Because there's like the really, really unchurched area like the Bay Area where charitable giving is nothing. Nothing. And then there's the poor parts of the Bible Belt where charitable giving is double-digit percentages over what it is here. Because those people are more poor pound for pound, but they love God also pound for pound more. So I would argue with you that it is a blessing if you're not wealthy. Yeah, if you're wealthy, that's awesome. But if you're not rich, it's probably a blessing. Now, I don't want to stereotype. I don't want to say poor people are more blessed than rich people because that's not true either. You know, you could go to extremes on either side. But if we do not have riches clouding our vision, it is much easier to see that God is the one who wants to provide. You know what's funny about America and about obedience? Let me see if I get this on slide. Well, let me just mention this, this kind of ironic thing. The ironic thing is the easier life gets, the less likely we are to look to God's provision. You know, this, the Bible written largely in an agrarian society where, you know, if the crops didn't come up, you didn't have much to eat. But we never really worry about scarcity or poverty or lack in the U.S. For most of us, we just go down to Safeway and we just buy whatever we want. I mean, we've got a whole glass display of steaks. I mean, you can get ribeye, you can get sirloin, you can get prime rib. And if they're out of it, you just tell the guy, go make more. And he does. I don't know what happens, but the little guy in the white coat goes in the back and suddenly there's more out there. Magic, right? Because we're providing for ourselves rather than God providing for us. Now, I'm not opposed to butchers and Safeway and Save Mart and all those things, because those things are good. But when we look to people, when we look to society to provide for us to God, we miss the ability for God to bless in our lives. And we're not being obedient to Him. Again, uh, this is just like love. The more we love God, the better we are able to love people. The more God blesses us because we are obedient to Him, the more likely we will be willing to bless other people. It is a direct correlation. It is demonstrable, unarguable. The more people are blessed by God, not providing for themselves, the more they give to other people. And the more they bless other people. And statistics show it over and over and over again. Alright, second idea. God blesses others through us. See, here's the thing. When we talk about this blessing, it's easy for us to think, okay, that God wants us to bless other people, so I'm going to go out and bless other people. But then we would have it wrong, because that's not what blessing is about. Blessing is not about what we do Blessing is about what God does, right? Let me say it again. Blessing is not about us. Blessing is about God. Blessing is not magic, but an appeal to a loving God. We talk a lot about magic here because for, since the beginning of time, magic has been one of those ideas that human society has chosen over relationship with God. What do I mean by magic? Magic is when we try to convince, cajole, and manipulate a deity into doing what we want it to do. So if I am a Wiccan and I say, you spirit of the world, go and make someone fall in love with me. And I'll give them a potion to help it out, right? Well, that's magic. But it is no different than the guys on TV who are name it and claim it, who say, if you tell God he's got to give you a brand new car, he's got to do it because you have faith. That also is magic. Because God doesn't work like that. He's not an inner universal dispensary machine that we plug the buttons in c7 and we get cheetos or c8 and we get oreos god doesn't work like that people who try to make god that way will always fail and they will look to the pittance that they have material pittance that they have and they will claim that god blessed them but it will not be true because blessing comes through obedience, not knowing how to push the buttons on the machine. And by the way, if you try to push the buttons on the machine of your wife, of your kids, of your friends, of your boss, you will not be successful. Any more than God. And by the way, God can see through the button pushing very, very easily. Because he's been doing it a long, long time. And he is way, way smarter. Infinitely smarter than you or I. He can see through that. Blessing is not magic, but an appeal to a loving God. Hey, check this out. okay. So this passage in the Bible actually is the oldest extant passage in the Bible that still exists in text form. Now, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Here's what the point of that is. A long, long, long time ago, people thought, let's make this magical. So this is that text in ancient Hebrew, hammered into silver and rolled up to be worn as a magical amulet. Around people's neck. Why? Because they thought, okay, if I have these words here, the magic is going to somehow improve my lives. But like people today, they didn't listen to the Bible. They didn't even read it. They just hammered it on silver and just rolled it around their necks, hoping it would do something good for them. But I can assure you, it probably did not. Because it's not an amulet to be worn. It's something to be, to be negotiated and to discuss And known about God, that his blessing, his encouragement for us is available to us, that he wants to bless us, he wants his face to shine upon us if we are obedient to him and if we're willing to follow him. You know, the funny thing is when we talk about this idea of blessing, there is no I in blessing. It doesn't matter that I say, I want you to be blessed. That's not where it is. Listen, here's what happens. Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people with a special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you. May the Lord show you favor. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people, Israel, in my name, I... Okay, that's the I am blessing. God. I am who I am, right? I, myself, I, me, will bless them. Because the originator and the fulfiller of blessing in your life is God and God alone. We are just the conduit. When I ask, when I pray that God will bless you, it is not me that does the blessing. It is God working in my life and working in your life. The more obedient I am, the more God listens to me, the more God wants to work in my lives, the more obedient you are, the more blessed... Hey, you know what? Let me ask you a question. If you have a kid, and they're like 14 years old, 15 years old, and they're like hinting that they want a car, and they're like a total hellion. Are you going to bless them? Or do you want to bless them? Oh, little Johnny, you're the meanest son of a gun I've ever seen. I'm just going to buy you everything your heart's desire. Is that what we're going to do? Okay, Roland, that's when we say, no. That's right. But you know what? If you have a child who is mature and good and honorable, your heart will desire to bless that child. It's the same thing with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. That when we are hellions, does God desire to bless us? Probably not. And when, But when we love Him, how much more does the blessing and love of God come through into our lives? We're not going to be materially rich probably, but we will be rich in the abundance from heaven. And if you want to know what specifically that means, so you can sign on the dotted line, what that means is that when you have need and lack in your life, that God will make sure that those needs and lacks are fulfilled so that you can accomplish the purpose of why He created you and put you here in this world. Many of you you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage bill. But God is willing to provide in those situations. When we are faithful and obedient to Him. And if you're here and you believe in Christ, you can testify to that. You know what? Um, <laughs> you know You know another form of magic we need to be careful of? is religion. Right? Because religion is not relationship with God. And, and if we think about it for a second, a lot of us will try to practice religion. Certainly in the church in America, we practice religion, but religion is not related to blessing either you know we some of us not so much here at bbc but other churches i've pastored in they'll come in they do the religious thing they do the they do them they do it they do all the hail marys they do all the jumping down they do all the hand raising they do all the singing they do all this they do all that and they're working for blessing but working for blessing is not where god is at and so yes you can be you can be religious but religious is not relationship Religious is not obedience. By the way, who were like super religious people who hated Jesus and went after him with full force? Pharisees, right? The biggest the biggest enemies of Jesus when he was here on earth. Earthly enemies was who? Religious people. Religious people. Because it's not about it. It's about faith. Let me show you why. Blessing centers on God's relationship with people. See, here's the thing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. This passage highlights the personal name of God with a metaphor of relationship. Let me break that down for you because it's critical. You know, the Bible sometimes uses God, sometimes uses the personal name of God. And this is one of those instances where it actually says the personal name of God and says, but I, Yahweh, I, Jehovah, I, I am who I am in English. It doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. I, by my very name, will keep you and will, and will bless you. I, by my very name, will shine my face upon you. Why does, is it really critical that he used the name of God here? Well, we don't know 100%, but we can guess, very make a very good educated guess, because knowing God is the most important thing that we can do relationship with God, and we know God because His personal name. It's not some God that just generic God, G-O-D, whatever. You know why it's been learning to spell D-O-G, dog, G-O-D, God, right? Except that it's not that generic. But God's own specific name uses here to let us know that He is the one who is going to bless you and is going to keep you and is going to make your face shine upon you. Hey, you know what? These are ancient, really ancient ideas. They don't work in modern language very well. But if a person does this to you, what is that? what are they saying to you? They're saying, I don't want to know you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to deal with you. I can't see you. I can't hear you. I don't care what you have to say. The Bible says that God... that. Yahweh, that Jehovah, may He make His face to look upon you and shine upon you. What does that mean? It's the opposite of this. What He's saying is, may God look at you because He wants to know you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to relate to you. He wants to connect to you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to have relationship with you. Yes, in fact, if you look, we don't have time, but all four of the conditions in this passage dealing with God's blessing are all relational they're all predicated on God knowing you hey you know what if you go out there to Barnes and Noble and talk to people they'll tell you the Old Testament's all about laws and bad and war and Jesus all like hippie trippy love and if we just kind of love each other that's that's all we need all we need is love I need Ramir here today because he could sing it but uh, all we need is love, right? And the Old Testament, bad. New Testament, good. As long as we don't listen to that evil Paul guy either. So just a few words of Jesus and we're set, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible has been very clear from the beginning, which is that God desires a relationship from us. The old, the old Testament, the temple, the sacrifices, those were the outward expression of faith by which people related to God. They were the ritual. You know what? In the old Testament, old, old, old Testament, they had the temple. They made sacrifices. Before the time of Jesus, they had the synagogue, and they debated the Torah, and that was their ritual. In the early church, they sat around in catacombs, and they broke bread, and they had wine, because that was a meal back then. And that was the ritual. And today, we play rock guitar and stand on our heads and do other things, and that's the ritual of today. But from the beginning of time, the one thing that God has made clear is his desire for relationship. As the Old Testament says, sacrifices is not what I desire, but us to really know God. And the greatest blessing of God in your life is for Him to know you well. No magic. There's no sparkle. There's no you have to give $10,000. There's no tell God you want a Bugatti and He'll get you a Bugatti. The greatest blessing that God wants for you is to know Him intimately. Because when you know Him intimately, He works intimately in your life. And when God works intimately in your life, God transforms your life to be better than you ever could imagine it to begin with. And so the the idea, the challenge for us is to expect God to want to know us. We do what to God? Well, on Sunday we're like, you know, I want some extra blessing today. Easter we're like, you know... Christmas may be the same, right? But Monday, we're like... And Tuesday, we're like this. When we fight with our spouse, we're like this. And when we argue with our kids, we're like this. Why? Because we don't really want to know God except when it's convenient for us. But God's plan from the beginning was not a plan of convenience. It was a plan of redemption. It was a plan that because He wanted to know us, that He would make a way for us to have a relationship with Him. That He sent His Son, Jesus, to redeem us so that we could know God, so that we could have someone to walk and talk with, right? I mean, Jesus actually came here to earth and walked and talked with people. Fully God, fully man who died to establish permanent relationship with us and God if we just allow. I know we have lots of excuses. I know we'd rather go to Safeway than just than take a chance on ephemeral blessing from God but it is not going to work out in your favor if you do that. My challenge and my prayer for you is that God will bless you, but the greatest blessing that you will have is having deep relationship with God and God working in your life in a very intimate and special way of which I will have no knowledge of because it's between you and God. But you have to desire it. You have to be willing to be obedient. You can't just walk up to God and name and claim what you want, demand it, It's not going to work that way. You have to be willing to be Him. And the question is this morning, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to be blessed because you love God and because He wants to be intimate with you? Let's pray. Father, we just come before You this morning, Lord, and we pray that we would be willing to be intimate with You, God, that we would be willing to be committed to You, God, that we would choose You over ourselves. God, I just pray this morning um, that maybe there's someone here who has never committed their life to you. They're still like seeking, still looking. But today they say, you know what? I'm tired of doing that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I want to be blessed. And if being blessed means that I'm going to be obedient to whatever God calls me to do, I'm going to do it. And if you're in that category this morning, you just need to say something like this. It's not magical. It's something like this. Convey your heart to God, which is, God, I know that you love me and I love you too. And I, I know that I make a lot of mistakes and I screw up, but I want you to forgive me of my sins and forgive me of my mistakes. And I want to know you and have personal relationship with you. And I know that Jesus is the one who opened the door for that to happen. So I'm just putting my trust in Jesus. I'm committing my life to Him, trusting in Him alone to be right with you. God, I want abundant life here on earth, and I want eternal life when I pass from this world. And Father, for all of us here, that's our prayer too. I mean, basically, we just amplified a lot because we've already done the beginning. We're on the journey and we want your blessing. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless and that we we would know you. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.